episode 36. How's it going? Good. What are we going to call this one? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. Do we ever... Oh, did you put the music on or, or are you going to layer that in layer, later? It happens afterwards. Oh, I thought for some reason you, it was live. No. Never. Well... Post-production. I think I imagined it in my head. It's such a good song. Well, the last two weeks we had special guests. I should mm-hmm. say the last two weeks. Two prior shows, which uh-huh. occurred over a month ago. <laughs> we had special guests, and I was playing it for them so that they could uh, hear what it sounded like. Okay. But they're not here right now. It's just us. It's just us. Old school. Well, I have some more ideas for special guests, actually. Yeah, we'll get on that. I have some good fashion people who want to be guests, but you need to get some tech people. Okay. Tim Cook? Uh, that would be great. All right, I'll invite him. I'm sure he would love to come and see the funny things you have in this house, your Apple memorabilia. That's true. <laughs> we won't. We'll save that <laughs> Including for one show. thing that I think you'd be really <laughs> embarrassed for him to know about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Inside jokes. Uh, what's going on? So much since happened. we since we chatted. It's been um, it's been actually it's it has been, been too an long. Entire month. It's been. Did we go to California? Twice. I oh, did you twice. went twice. Well, that's part of the reason why. Yeah. You can't bring these these microphones everywhere. No, they're pretty heavy. I guess we could carry them on. I don't know. In in August, when I go, if you if you come along for the ride, maybe we should bring them along. Could be. We'll see. We'll see. Um, some stuff happened. Yeah, a lot of stuff has happened in, in both of our worlds. What do you want to start with? I want to start with this Apple because this is this is a thread. Yeah, what is you it? Know, the, the Apple is not doing an actual TV. Oh, yeah, the TV. Yeah, G- so our first show ever was called Why Are TVs So Ugly? Wasn't which, it? Yeah, something like that, which is still a question I... Which, and this is where we, this was, um, what, almost three years ago? Yeah. We were talking about why TVs were so ugly and that we were hoping that Apple would make an attractive TV so that we could replace our then eight-year-old WinBook brand, <laughs> store brand flat screen. Which with, was a great TV. Which was great and very expensive at the time. We wanted to replace that with an Apple TV because that's what everyone was saying. Oh, Apple's going to make a TV at some point. And we were like, you know what? I don't even care if it's $2,000. Yeah. It'll be beautiful and it'll look great in our living room. You know what's funny? I never gave up. I can't believe it was three years ago. Because I still, every every time the idea came up in the news, or they were talking about Apple TV, which is not an actual TV. Right, the, the puck. Yeah. Which we have. I would, I would think about it and, and be excited again. I just never, I've never given up on the idea of it because. And then what now? Two weeks ago, the Wall Street Journal. Well, first, Carl Icahn, the mm-hmm. activist investor. He said they should do it though, right? a lot right? of Apple stock said, yeah, I'm getting ready for them to make that TV. And the next day, very conveniently, or maybe even the same day, the Wall Street Journal reported citing a source familiar with the matter. Yeah. <clears throat> Apple. Um, that Apple had abandoned, had tested TVs, but abandoned the project. Um, we both, we wept. 
right? I'm really mad. I'm well, really so sad. Well, so in the meantime, we bought this this Vizio, which is not only ugly, but is also a piece of shit. It's the most horrible thing. It's so bad. The remote control barely works. There are no buttons in case the remote stops working. How much was it? Here's the problem. The reason that we have this one is that I stupidly tried to save $100 by buying this one instead of a Samsung, which uh, would have been better. Life lesson. Don't ever save $100 on a TV. Yeah. Anyways. But how much? It wasn't that expensive, was it? No, it was, it was like, like six, 700 bucks, which is less than my old... 32 inch one well, was. We, but now we're going to have to keep it for a while unless you think we could sell it for 300 Um, I have no idea. But it's not like we can replace it with an Apple TV anyway. No. Well, okay, so a few questions from my end of things. One is, is the idea that are they not doing it because they can just make a monitor that's as big as that and because the computer and the TV are going to be one in the same within for a lot of people it already it already is and for more people within the next 10 years so will they just make a massive monitor no i think they're outsourcing the monitor aspect to whoever i think they're i think what what apple is saying is people don't buy TVs often enough and don't want to spend enough money for us to be able to sell you know apple the way apple works is that they do very few things they they try to stay very focused so they put a lot of effort into this watch that instead of, you know, a TV apparently. So, and, yeah. you know, and maybe they haven't even made a new monitor in a long time. Like well, you can buy a 5K iMac, but mm-hmm. you can't buy a 5K monitor. Well, I'm just... Part of the problem I, is that you can't run that monitor with anything else. But I get that, and it's also not a part of their kind of repertoire, but... Not a lot of people buy those really expensive MacBook Pros either, right? No, but at least those are. I mean, those are not a new line. Like they've been doing that for a long time. But but I the thing that I don't I get from what you're saying in terms of their strategy, but it also to me when you think of how they've branded themselves and marketed themselves, it would be worth it. Like the way that they made the $17,000 Apple Watch to make – we would buy a $2,000 TV from them and I think a lot of people would. I don't don't know it's a huge market. I don't know if it's a huge market but it's enough to be a good thing for their brand. And I think it's like the The, thing – The way that car companies will make like a fancy sports car that not everyone's going to buy. Yeah. And I think that that's – or Hermes makes an $8,000 plus um, handbag, but most people buy the scarf, you know, $100 scarves or $300 scarves. Mm -hmm. I think that that's why – because they do operate like a luxury company, a luxury brand. That is how a luxury brand would handle it. Mm-hmm. And to me, you and, pleasing you and me should be the most – or pleasing you as one of their you know, top customers, most loyal customers should be the most important thing. Yeah. It, the two things they should be focusing on are, focused, are pleasing that top customer and pleasing masses with smaller, easier products. But – you can't the reason they are as valuable as they are today is not because they've sold a lot of products it's because they have a lot of brand loyalty i mean the two go hand in hand but i think the brand loyalty is way more important 
Yeah. No, I mean, it would be really interesting to hear the real reason. Like, there's a million potential reasons. Yeah. One of them could be that that viewing is shifting to smaller devices. So they yeah. don't care about being this big thing in the living room. It could be that they don't want to deal with bringing these huge boxes into their stores and yeah. shipping them all over the place and servicing them and that kind of stuff. It's probably it a combination. That, um that they thought that their differentiation would be software and they're just several years away from, from that software. It could be that they, you know, they drew straws and said, all right, we're going to put a bunch of time and money into one thing and it's either going to be the watch or the TV and the, and the watch won. I don't, I don't know. It would be actually great to hear the real reason and no one has really gotten that out of them yet. Um, yeah. Well, you should try. Perhaps I shall. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's... In the meantime, it's disappointing because here, we, you know, we're still in the, in the place where uh, there are no really attractive television sets. Both yeah. the actual screen and the industrial design of the, whatever you would call it, the cabinet or something. So why, why do you, I mean, and I know this is, we've probably talked about this seven or eight times on this show. But why do you think no one has made that? Why do you think, you know, not, there are other companies that are good at making products that make beautiful products. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't someone else made like what an Apple style television would look like? Yeah. yeah or, I mean, or just it, some of them are kind of close. There's some Samsungs that look pretty good. Uh, this Vizio, I mean, it's not hideous. It's basically just a, a screen. Yeah. I guess it's, it's what's, not what's bad. shitty about this Vizio is not how it looks, but well, the, the actual well, the screen s- is kind of ugly. It's like very... It's just very shiny. Very shiny, yeah. Because yeah. we didn't spend more for the mat- matted ver- version because we're morons. Um, the The problem with this Vizio is the software and the and the hardware um, functionality, not the way it looks. Like the remote control sucks. The so- the software on the on the screen sucks. I mean, I don't that think... Sort of it's thing. not that good looking. No, but it's... The yeah. stand could be right. better. Sure. And... I, absolutely. I completely agree. So why hasn't someone else? I don't know. This used to be something like Sony should be doing. And maybe Sony's are great. But well, but it... we, along with most consumers, don't want to spend $2,000 on a TV. Yeah. We're, we're looking for a seven dollars $800 TV. And, and you're that's... saying Samsung is the best bet in that range. It might be. I don't know. I didn't even look at any of the expensive ones. Like It's possible that we could look at Sony and that there's a $2,500 amazing TV that they make. Yeah. But I didn't even look at that. Well, the funny thing is that the other part of that is that you do trust the so- Apple software. So that's another reason why spending two grand on something like that wouldn't be scary because you trust, we trust Apple. Yeah. Whereas I've never bought anything from Sony. Although one, well. Or, well, probably a Walkman. It, but, but, well, the thing is, if you look at the other stuff that those companies make, like LG and Samsung, it's all ugly too. So. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just their, into- in uh, their, what do we call it? Their aesthetic. Uh, yeah, there's a term for it that I've been using. Their uh, institutional taste. Ooh, I like Ooh, that. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Imagine what an Amazon TV would look like. Oh my god! It would have like sharp edges that would cut you, probably. <laughs> <laughs> or they would be like buffed with some weird uh, kind of faux, uh, like plastic that looks like metal although i guess that's kind of what we have now. yeah that's exactly what we have now um yeah i don't know someone should should get on that uh i don't know who it's gonna be though 
Maybe Sony. Anyway, um, well, I think it's I just a combination wish... of they don't know that they should do that and that maybe they, they've tried it and no one wants to buy it. Because the problem with – and this is where Apple's brand and luxury aspects of it might make the difference. Like, you know, could 20 million people spend $1,500 on an Apple TV? Sure. Would those 20 million people spend $1,500 on a Samsung TV? Maybe that not. looks just like the Apple one? No, they'd, most of them would probably go for a cheaper one because yeah. Apple's brand has such a halo. Yeah, totally. And that's that's why, to me, but, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it totally from a branding perspective and an aesthetic perspective, how difficult it is to make one. Obviously, I have absolutely no idea. And, then I, and I think that's probably the biggest issue. Yeah, I think another one is that if you think of how often you replace Apple products, mm-hmm. you know, we get a new phone every two years, sometimes every one year. We get a new Mac every three to four years mm-hmm. nowadays. It used to be more often. Um, who knows how often we'll be replacing these watches? Mm-hmm. But a TV, oh, look at that, the Cubs one. Go oh, Cubs. great. Um, if you look at TVs, like, people tend to replace them every, what, eight to ten years. Yeah. So, well, they, so and, and these little Apple TV pucks, like those, probably have a shelf life of two to four years too. So, if Apple's going to keep making software that needs stronger hardware, like they do with every other device, mm-hmm. like you know, three years, four years down the road, all of our device, like that iPhone four that we still use for the radio over there, mm-hmm. thing, that thing chokes on today's software. So. We don't want to have that problem with our TV. I have two comments. Yeah. One is that wouldn't it operate more the way a monitor? You didn't. You don't replace the monitor every four years. You can keep a monitor for longer, and you would just keep replacing the puck, right? Well, it, that puck In would theory. be built into the monitor, and it would be running. It would be more like this iMac as opposed to okay the puck situation and i think but i think that is exactly what apple is thinking like you know what instead of doing this awkward tv that maybe you know 10 5 to 10 percent of the people out there can own why don't we own this market of these pucks that maybe 50 to 80 percent of people are yeah. gonna buy i mean the- and the problem there is that they're not they don't own that market like yes the apple tv has done well but so has the so has Google Chromecast, so has Roku, so has Amazon Fire Stick. And like, having having a physical product to go with it might having that screen might boost that mark would boost that market for sure. I mean, the other thing that I was going to say, the other counterpoint to that is, you if they're really making a car, that's really happening. That's something you own for at least ten years. Yeah, and right. So this maybe the conversation at Apple was. Should we move forward with a TV or with a car? Yeah. I'm still not convinced that this car is like I'm, – I'm, I would not be surprised if they were testing a car. What do you think of this self-driving car, car thing? Is that really going to happen? Yeah, it has to. Does that mean we never have to get licenses? I don't know. Maybe. I think we should just get them. The thing is, is that I don't think in our lifetime self-driving cars will be able to go up like mountains in Slovenia. Well, also, maybe, you know, they'll but be able to I don't drive. know if even if either of us had a license, we'd be able to do that either. I'm not doing that. No, that's fine. I've done that. 
But you've never been driving. No, but I've sat next to people who are driving. Just, a stick just for some context, neither life. of us have ever driven there, a car. I drove once. Well, I've driven twice, but yeah. we neither of us have ever had a license. No, it's um, super. But I've been with people who have, are driving a stick shift for the first time ever, and they're driving up a mountain in Slovenia. Okay, so well, it's doable. Well, anyway, I think that self-driving cars will be a thing on like highway corridors and cities, maybe in the next decade or two. Which is a great start. What's scary? The idea of a self-driving car and and just makes me nervous. I would say it's less scary than the idea of people driving. Well, if you're on a big freeway, how do how does that how is that handled? Does everyone just go really slowly? No, everyone goes very fast and with precise control of how how close they are to the car in front of them. Okay. Well, you know what? That's fine with me. I mean, I don't want to drive on any highways, even if I did have a license. Would you trust a self-driving car to drive? I don't one? know. That's what I'm saying. I'm not sure yeah. I would. I don't trust humans on highways. Well, do you trust the air, the air train any more or less than a train driven by a person? <laughs> um, I think, no, I think it's fine. I think the L train is also now run by a machine really there's just a person sitting there making sure it's not screwing up yeah and also and the, the the union requires no i don't people. yeah exactly um no i trust it i trust the i trust the air train okay once the air once i was on the air train and um it stopped and it, what what happened it was like snowing and it couldn't get up the hill uh-huh and they had to reverse it and then like start over and go faster was there a human helping with that? No, because I was sitting in the front, but I think a human probably took over the control of the air train from uh, some remote place. Yeah, there's probably someone monitoring it or something. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Lulls. So what do you want to talk about next? Um, well, we've had our Apple Watches for a month. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should save that for last. Let's save that for last. Let's talk about the death of... of um, death of an iconic fashion brand well we don't know Cheers. for sure if it's actually no. dead well lauren reported last week that was it last week or the week before? no it was last week the band of outsiders is has canceled orders so they laid off basically their entire staff and canceled all fall orders that sucks yeah it's re- it's really – I mean, I'm a huge fan of the clothes, and I buy a lot, and I've been covering the brand for a really long time, so I'm I'm super bummed about it. But I think for menswear in particular, it's, it's a big brand. It's a really well-known brand for guys who are super preppy or – I mean, it's you, you like it. the first fashion show I ever went to. Oh, really? Well, one of them. We went to like one of the presentations. Yeah. I think for, for men in particular, and it also it's cut, the guy stuff is cut pretty narrow and and petite. So for shorter guys, yeah, I, I think it was a big. that I wore like twice? Yeah, I, I think I ended up wearing it. Um, yeah, I look like, uh, who's that guy? Zach Galifianakis <laughs> in it. Um, but I think it, for that market, it's. It's it's a huge loss yeah. in terms of just, you know, it's a L.A.-based brand. Scott, the designer, is really talented. He had a really specific point of view, and it was unwavering. You know, the stuff changed with trends, but it wasn't, 
you could always tell that it was something from that brand. And, and he also kind of led a lot of menswear trends and, and, and women's wear. I mean, I have a ton of those clothes. I've spent like a lot ultra, of money there. It was ultra norm core. Yeah. It totally it was like it's like eighties and seventies like retro preppy like gold watch. It's like, yeah, this is these are normal clothes. Yeah, wink. Um, and I, you know, it's there are a bunch of brands right now shutting down. There are also a bunch of brands getting a crap load of investment, and yeah. it's a weird time. Because not people aren't shopping as much as they were, you know. If you if you hear the retail quarterly sales, they're not as good as they were a year ago. Uh, a specialty retail, lower level retail is hurting more than high end stuff. But um, it's it's a tough, it's an exciting time because people want to invest in fashion companies but the problem is most of the people who invest in fashion companies don't understand how they work Hmm. and they think that you can scale them really quickly and you can't you probably most fashion companies probably lose money for the first at least 10 years there are some that are profitable in two or three or one but that's not you know when i first started reporting on this stuff people would say a, com- a fashion brand, it takes two to three years for it to become profitable. And that's true in a good situation. In a bad situation, it could be never be profitable. Right. And the the big issue is I just did a story on that kind of connects to this on the name Halston. Oh, yeah, which I remember that. That was, was a nice story. So Halston was a really big brand in the 1970s. It was one of the first big, like, legitimate American designers to have – influence globally and he was smart about business in a lot of ways but stupid about it in other ways and he tried he was the first designer he did a jc penny collaboration in 1980 you know all these high-end designers do target collaborations now but back then that kind of ruined his ready-to-wear business his high-end business, Bergdorf Goodman famously dropped his label because he did this JCPenney line that he got paid a lot of money for. Um, and But if you look, so so he went out of business and then he, he was bought, he's been bought, that brand, he actually died in 1990 or, or 91, but that brand has been bought and sold probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 times, and they keep mm. reviving, reviving it with new designers and this this last round of it, of this brand is kind of more lower end there's there's a range of clothes that are contemporary which is like a mid price point so a dress is 300 400 dollars and now they're also going to there's going to be another line sold on HSN where dresses are you know 89 dollars and when i was researching the story what i realized was the only way you can take a name like that and revive it or build a fashion brand from scratch is if you have, you know, five years or or ten years to lose money on it and to just keep trying and trying and trying. At the lower end, it's a little bit easier. But when you're talking about high-end clothes, there is a finite market there. 
it's a big, it's a, it's a good market, but it's a finite one. So it's much harder if you are on the designer sales floor at Barney's or Bloomingdale's or Saks Fifth Avenue to make it than if you're on the, you know, more affordable sales floor. And so I think what's going to start happening is band of outsiders is just one example. Um, but I think a lot of brands are either going to shut down or, you know, change their trajectory or, you know, those designers are going to be hired. This already happens privately, whereas a designer of a small label is hired to consult for a really big company and that's how they keep their label afloat. But, um, I think that there are going to be more closings of brands people really love and have an affinity for, unfortunately, because there's just, it's just too hard to sustain that sort of business. The margins are not, are not very, um, high. And is that just because they did a bad mix of clothes or is it just that? No. Um, even, even if they did everything like the product and the design and everything was, was as good as possible, it just, people don't want to like, what's the actual problem? The, the biggest problem is, so yes, so they're they're I, whether or not you know sale trends come and go. Whether or not band of outsiders, you could say that the the style of those clothes are a little bit on the out. They're not um, they're not exactly on trend, but there is a market for them. So if you have a business where you're profitable, you can have smaller a smaller you know sales for a couple of years. And also it's such a niche business that it should still, even if, you know, I think that it's a little bit off trend right now, you know, there is a huge market of people who have never heard of it. So it should be steadily growing. The, the bigger issue is that it's extremely expensive to produce clothing. So, so the way is, is this, am I getting too? No, I'm really fascinated. Um, I'm curious how. So you want to know how this works. So the reason why so many fashion companies can't turn a profit and also can't, um, you know, stay in business is because it takes at least $250,000 to produce a season of clothing. And that's, you know, it, when you say produce, you mean just like come up with the concepts or actually get the first batch of inventory to made come too? up with the concepts and, and get the first batch of samples made. Uh-huh. You could maybe do that for, you know, there are people who've probably done it for 10 grand, but it probably costs 50 or 60 or 70 grand. So you at least need that up front to make the samples. A lot of people need more than that because say you're using really expensive fabrics and you want to make your samples in Italy or, or what have you. I mean, most fashion designers make them in New York, but they're very expensive. So, and this is at the high end. And then, so say you have, you came up with the, maybe it cost you 25 grand, maybe it cost you 80 grand to get your samples for your first collection made. You have a presentation and all these buyers come and Barney says, I want to put in an order for 25 grand and Bergdorf, 
Bergdorf Goodman says, I want to put an order in for a hundred grand. They don't pay you that money up front, especially when you're a young brand. They, the terms are different with every designer, but in general, the designer pays to actually produce those clothes and then they get paid and upon order, upon shipment. So Bergdorf gets, Bergdorf Goodman or Neiman Markets gets the order, says, okay, it's here. Here's your money. Oh, and by the way, you put the wrong hangers on. They require specific hangers. They require like specific ways everything needs to be shipped. So we're not giving you as much as we said. We're charging you, you know, $500 or five grand. We're taking that off. They caught chargebacks. And then if your stuff goes on sale, and again, some designers have negotiated so that they don't have these kinds of terms. And that's something early on you want to be in these big department stores. So you take worse terms. You take worse terms. Um, and because a lot of, I know a lot of designers who refuse to, and they're not in those big department stores because of that. So at the end of the season, they say, oh, mm, half of your stuff didn't sell and we have to mark it down. So you're going to have to give us the money that we're losing for having to put it on sale. Hmm. So it's another, it's the buyback or, or sometimes they actually require that the designer buy the inventory back if it doesn't sell. So when you're a company that's doing like, some of these companies are doing $500,000 in sales. A lot of them are doing like between a one and 5 million. How do you have money to do that to pay your whole staff? Because this is also very labor intensive. You know, you can't, it can't just be, when when most designers start, it's like a designer, maybe a salesperson, an assistant, and a pattern maker, or or someone technical production who can help you um, make sure everything's shipping. But how do you pay all these people? And then whatever money you have left at the end of the season, you have to make to produce the next collection. So to get ahead and get out of um, you know, to be, to stay afloat is really hard. And there are so I mean, it's like any startup, you, you're about to run out of money. And, you know, a lot of times I think what startups do is when they're out of steam, they raise more money. It's harder for a fashion company to do that. A lot of them do. And they kind of, they're like, Oh my God, I'm out of money. And then someone they're really desperate and some rich benefactor says, here's some money. I'll give you a million bucks to go for, you know, three more seasons. And, and that does happen in the same way it happens in the startup world where people raise another round or, or, you know, get a bridge loan or, or whatever. And the other thing is that it must used to be much easier for designers to take out bridge loans before 2008. So they would take a loan out to pay for the production and that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, so it sounds like the business model itself is the problem for a lot of these companies. Yeah. I don't know about band of outsiders and specifically, but is there like, is because now we have e-commerce and mobile commerce is going direct better for these brands or is that still something that they're not competent at? Like what it, it can is, they, can they make, um, less inventory and make it more on demand? Like what? How, they can. can. That, could that have, have saved them somehow? They they can. The the issue with that is, and that is how a lot of brands are starting now. 
But Band of Outsiders started in 2004. So a lot of the big, like, quote-unquote big brand, American brands started 10, 15 years ago. Um, so they were not comfortable. The other issue with direct-to-consumer con- with a product is... This, is I mean, a lot of this stuff still seems like it's not being sold direct. No. And, and you know, Band of Outsiders only opened its first stores last year. It only launched e-commerce a year or two ago. Um, and a lot of uh, – I'm working on two stories right now that have to do with both of these things. But um, the problem with direct-to-consumer in fashion – so we see – you see something like a Warby Parker and you think, oh, it can totally work for fashion. It's it's really easy. It's not – Warby Parker is selling a utilitarian product that people need to ha- – need. There's an – you know, there are a lot of people who need gla- – like you need a pair of glasses. You wear contacts, but you also need a pair of glasses. You couldn't not have a pair of glasses. Or if you didn't, you know, it's just, so people compare and there are, there's a new brand called bikini. That's kind of doing that. It's hundred dollar bathing suits. Um, the problem with that is that you need to do a lot of marketing, online marketing to make that work. Now, Warby Parker is a little different of a situation because, well, what about like Everlane? Like why couldn't, Band of Outsiders be, be, like, Everlane. be like Everlane. They could. and But that wasn't – that didn't exist. That kind right. of thinking didn't exist when Band of Outsiders started. Is it also too expensive? Well, it, the thing about Band of Outsiders is a lot of its blazers are made in Brooklyn by this old tailor, this really famous tailor. So they're 2000 bucks or 1300 yeah. bucks. They would be, be a little bit cheaper if it was all direct-to-consumer. But in high fashion – there's also this um, – there's also you want to be a part of the scene. There's a, a thing – there's this like un – you can't put a monetary value in being on the floor at Barney's. Hmm. So a lot of people will do anything to do that because it means you're a part of it. If you're on the floor at Barney's or you're on the floor at Neiman Marcus, then Vogue will consider – covering you a lot of times a a magazine like that which still matters to these designers a lot and and not just vogue harper's bazaar any a lot of those magazines if you are not at a major retailer or net a porte or any any it could be e-commerce but if you're not stocked at one they won't even consider covering you not even for a small Story. So uh, the thing that people forget about the fashion industry in particular is that a lot of the financial decisions are made, made, they're centered around, centered on vanity. They're not made because it's a sound financial decision. It's a lot about, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's like how all. It's it's like the the impact of the art, art aspect of it. Yeah. If you look at, um, if you look at the film industry, it's, it's obviously set up very, very differently, but the people who are investing in independent films, they're investing a lot less money, but they're not investing in them because they think they're going to make money. They want right. it to look good. So 
if someone, if an investor wants to invest, make a lot of money, they might invest in a Warby Parker or, or they might, you know, have in, invest, you know, have their portfolio manager invest a lot in Michael Kors or something, a public company. But if they want to have the association of being a part of the industry and being a part of like this really special thing, then they'll invest in a smaller brand. The problem with that is say it an investor invests in 10 brands and they, they want to have one, one big hit. Yeah. It's way less likely than if you're going to do that with a bunch of startups because it's to scale a fashion business is really, yeah. and it's the getting hit, what, what a big hit looks a lot different. Yeah. It's getting really harder. There's, there's a um, VC who, named Lawrence Lenahan who writes a lot he writes a lot of opinion pieces for the business of fashion and he wrote this piece last year about the end of the billion dollar brand and he really believes that these niche brands um you know 100 million 200 million that are appealing to a very specific customer are the ones that are going to kind of rise up and and that you know to have one big brand that appeals to a ton of people look at gap gap makes you know, $14, $15 billion a year. Well, Gap Inc. as a whole, I think. I don't know if it's that only the company, but they make billions of dollars a year and everyone hates it. <laughs> so if it's just not the way people shop anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really messed up business and anyone who gets into it is completely insane. <laughs> it's true. Well, we should just end the show right there, but we won't. Um, that's really interesting. And, and Thanks I, for explaining that. I really hope whatever happens with Band of Outsiders, I hope that... Um, this is a situation where the brand has value. so It, it has a ton of value. I don't think the reason... So the reason I, I worded the story that I wrote the way I did is even if they file for bankruptcy, even if they're, they go under, because they do have investors, even if they go under right now, that does not mean he won't be back in a year or five years Michael Kors filed for bankruptcy in the 1990s, and he is now a billionaire. So I don't, I don't think that this is the end of that. It's just unfortunate. And you know what? It might be. If you look at who won the CFDA awards are tomorrow, which are the um, the Fashion Trade Group Council of Fashion Designers of America's award shows. If you look at who won CFDAs in the 1980s and 90s, you know Calvin Klein and Donna Karen and Ralph Lauren. Every other designer, especially the ones that win the Young Designer Awards, n- I've never heard of them. You've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. So it's just – it's a nature of the business. It's – it's you know, I'm, I compare it to the film business, but it's also a lot like the restaurant business. Yeah. Or like baseball. I, I don't understand that. Um, All I understand well, is the great. Cubs hashtag. So what else should we talk about? Should we talk about something? Oh. Uh, do we have anything? Uh, yeah. So, well, the one thing I thought was funny – was this um, bright color thing that the Gap? Did, have we talked about this? No, I, I mentioned this in my newsletter. So the Gap, the guy is the CEO of the Gap. His name's Art Peck. He is obsessed with this era in um, in Gap's recent history, where they had eighteen months of positive comps, which is positive comparable store sales, and that means stores that were open at least for at least one year had increases in sales for a year and a half. That hasn't happened at Gap except for this one period of time. I think it was in 2011 or 2012 when they were 
killing it with colored denim. Remember, oh, yeah, remember, I had the red jeans and then the mint green yeah, I jeans. Tweeted the red jeans are the new blue jeans. Yeah, so they they were on that trend. I did not own any Gap ones though. I think where are mine from? I can't I remember, know. but they weren't. I think they were from. Were they from Madewell? Possibly. I think so. I'm gonna guess. Um, yes. but anyway, they were and in, in, remember that phase though. Yeah, and in he was profiled in Fast Company, and he said, you know. Uh, he, they they made jokes about this time, and then the other interesting thing was um, when Rebecca Bay, who was running Gap's creative for a while, she's this Scandinavian designer who who started. She was the first designer for this brand called Koss, which is um, owned by H and M. It's kind of like high end. Yeah, the fancy H and M. It's great. She was really good. Very they hired yellow. her a couple of years ago. It didn't go well. And one of the things I remember in one of the first profiles of her was that she really likes subdued, muted colors. And all the merchandising people were like, no, Americans love bright colors. You have to have lots of bright colors. And, you know, she really clashed with the merchandising team, which is... It's so funny because when I think of costs, I think of those crazy neon things that they have in like random places in the store yeah there's a lot of like ugly dark blue stuff yeah there's also crazy neon well i mean who knows if that existed when she i think it did though no i think it did but but i think cheery it's not even that neon's not cheery you're not like oh so he the the ceo art peck mentioned it again because so banana republic hired this woman named marissa webb who has her own line she also used to be the head um women's designer at j crew and she's very very talented she's a good designer she had did a great collection for banana republic it, the first month it was on the floor it didn't sell super well he says the reason why is there was too much black and white and that it, there needs to be more bright colors yeah. and prints yeah the crazy striped sweater it, but oh and but i this is we're get, we're going too deep but the Oops. funny thing is rebecca bay brought the crazy striped sweater back and yeah. he hated it <laughs> so i so but the idea is and they i'm sure they have a lot of data to back this up that people buy a lot of bright colors from there but i just don't think that that is their problem <laughs> No. I think their problem is that they sell ugly clothes. Yeah, when I went into the Gap a couple of weeks ago, I, the colors were not the problem. And the, the colors were actually the least of the problem. And the funny thing is, I got an email the, the day that I wrote about this in my newsletter with, they had these limited edition wide length jeans. And they were the best jeans I've seen all summer. I almost, I'm, haven't bought anything in a few months. I was going to buy them. They sold out. They're available in store, but I tweeted at the Gap person and I said, "Why is this link broken?" And they said, "Oh, they sold out online. They were available up to a size twenty, and they sold out in women's." Can they make more? I don't. I mean, I have no idea. But the thing is, you know how they were styled in in they were styled. They're these wide leg worn in denim jeans. They were styled with a gray t shirt and hippie sandals. Sweet and. It just made me think, obviously, they must have a talented, there is a talent in there, someone who's merchandising well. I don't know who it is offhand. I could look it up. But there is someone in there who knows what they're doing. They can't be that obsessed with 
it's not about that. It's about the cl- actual clothes. Yeah. And um, I just think it's interesting. I also think, like, I, I know we talk about Everlane a lot, and I really do think that Gap should buy Everlane. It's just, it is what the Gap should be. And yeah. they don't have any... It's new, it really is. And I'm sure that their sales are... are puny compared to gaps but they're a four-year-old brand or a three-year-old brand i mean that's the way people want to dress right now not just us but i think i think think everyone everyone and and i went to an event at the everlane store on wednesday night and my friend and i just couldn't get over the fact that everyone looked really great and no one was everyone was wearing a lot of people were wearing everlane um but it's just not I just don't get it. I don't get why these big companies can't see outside of themselves. It's really frustrating no, to me. Well, that's why they lose it. Yeah. Like, look what's look what's happening to Starbucks. They're getting their ass kicked on on the high end by Blue Bottle. Yeah. And on the low end by uh, those K cups. Oh yeah, I forgot about the K cups. Um, I'm so. Should I find this reader thing? No, I'll do that next time. So about the Apple Watch. Really? Okay. Yeah, we got about 15 minutes, 10 minutes left. Okay. We're talking about the Apple Watch. So what do you think? Well, it's been a month now. Yeah. Have you forgotten to wear it any days? I forgot one day when I was running. Yeah. And I forgot once when I was really rushed to get to a breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I felt super naked and, and weird. How long before you noticed it was missing? Um, both times, probably 10 minutes yeah. outside of the house. Hmm. Um, I haven't forgotten it yet. It's yeah. crazy. Because when I was testing those fuel bands and, and jawbones, forget that shit all the time. Well, I think one thing is that we paid a, a good amount of money for them, so we want to get the wear that's, out of them. Yeah. To but, me, that's less... Maybe that's subconscious. To me, it's more conscious. Like, okay, this is this is it. The Apple Watch can't, uh, can't screw up our evaluation of it. You know, that kind of thing. Well, also... I, I like... I put it on and some of it is that um that i've gotten and you know again it's been one month so we'll see in six months but i've gotten like really pretty invested in that that those fitness those rings like filling in the rings all day yeah and other people have been writing this too and you know other similarly unfit people have been writing this (laughs) Um, yeah. So I think it's really interesting. Again, you know, I probably did the fuel ban for a month when it first came out. Yeah. So we'll see in three months. But this isn't like what I like about the watch, as opposed to those other things, is that it does a lot more than that. Yeah. It's not the only thing it does. Um, and for for at for a device like that that only did one thing, it got pretty it got pretty old pretty quickly, and it just felt like a dumb device. Um, whereas this feels a lot smarter and more, more reflective of what I'm actually doing. Yeah. Um, and then also it does so much other stuff like the notifications and, um, texting. Like we've been texting a lot from them. Yeah. I, I'm pleasantly surprised. I really, really like it. And I have recommended people who are curious, you know, curious types who I know, would delight in something like this. I I've said yeah, you should definitely buy the the mo- the most affordable one. I don't think 
I I have a friend who bought the mid range one, and it it looks nice, but I I wouldn't recommend anything higher than that. But I I love it. I've really enjoyed it. I love the fitness stuff. I love seeing my calendar. I love sending you messages on it. It's really fun. I I use it to text if I'm running and I'll talk into it. I use it to respond. I I get alerts. I use it if I'm in a meeting and I see a phone call and if it's important, I know I I need to take the phone call. Um I really really like it. I love the fitness stuff too. It's it's great. Um I don't use the apps a lot. The third-party apps, I think they're super slow. The Dark Sky one only works half the time, and that's, you know, my whole thing is is checking the weather incessantly. But Have you um, tried the regular weather app? No. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I mean, I also like the screen. I know what the weather is on the screen constantly. Um, I love it. I'm really, really happy with it. I'm so glad that I got one, and I am – they, they, you know, a lot of marketing people always use that surprise and delight crap, yeah, well, but I really huge. do think that it's delight. Like I, I really hate that word, but I do think it's delightful. Yeah. I think it's, what about it? It's fun. It's, it's fun to use. You know, I have my, I can see what my next meeting is. I love checking my heart rate. I think that's so interesting. I was totally doing that on the plane <laughs> yesterday and it was higher. Yeah. And it's higher if, um, you know, after turbulence, that's when I was checking. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's crazy. That's funny. Um, because my adrenaline just goes nuts. Yeah. It's actually really bad. I really need to check into that, um, or try to handle that better because I get real stressed well, out. It wasn't like a hundred. No, but okay. like it's well, just. Whatever. But my adrenaline, yeah. that's not good to no, have those. No. You know, I'm stressed out enough. It's me all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, it was cool checking my heart rate. Um, and, and when I was on that eight mile walk the other day, just like seeing yeah, yeah, I'm actually exercising right now. I think it's so good. And I've used it for Apple pay. I just, I also like it. I do. I don't use Twitter on it, but I like that it gives me Twitter alerts. Yeah. Um, it, Twitter is not great on it, but I have tweeted from it. You can reply tweet from it. Oh, Cam. Really? Yeah. Cool. I haven't done that. Um, but it's not. I, I actually it's find not Twitter fantastic. to be shitty on on this thing. Yeah, it's not fantastic, but I like that I get like the disappointingly alerts. Disappointingly, so. Um, well, I think that there must just be none of the third party apps are good. Oh, I don't mean just the quality of the app. Just like that, that Twitter itself is now too complicated of a thing to be good on oh. such, such a fast and simple device. Like you know multi-threaded conversations and oh and yeah online images and video and all this stuff and like twitter twitter was designed to be consumed over text message now it's yeah. no longer any good over text message mm. well i still use it pretty simply so yeah. maybe what, that's what, why what, um, what's missing like what would you want if you could get it gps oh yeah that's the yeah. i don't want to have to have my phone now and i one of my friends who bought the more expensive one. So how much is the next one? 800. Yeah. He bought that one. He said, well, I just figured eventually this is going to be the phone. So I'm, I just bought it now. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, <laughs> I have to get a new one. But. Um, well, I don't know. Like, he, he, you know, yeah. there isn't, there is a little bit of sense in, in that, that, well, it is going to just be, 
you know, it is going to eventually be a part of our lives. So why not get make it, it get yeah. used to it? Um, but I, that's the only thing I really wish that it, I could just do everything from it and GPS in particular also when not just for when I'm running because that is part of it is that I've been running a lot and I use the Nike app on the phone and it's much better than the one on the watch and also you still need your phone anyway to you know whatever but also just when you're going somewhere and I don't want to, I want to look on my phone now and use a map on my phone. I don't want to have to pull out. I mean, I want to look on my watch and use a map on my watch. I don't want to yeah. have to pull out the phone to do the map because it's so awkward, have especially you used a map on your watch. No, oh. there's a map on it. Yeah. yeah. But it's how, how does it work if there's no GPS? Well, if you have your phone anywhere near you, you can use. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Does yeah. Yeah. It, Let's look at it. Uh, it's not it? great. You'll you'll be. Um, yeah, I don't think I could because I na, I'm na, typing na, in na, stuff. Na, 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 na. First, we're waiting for it to load. Yeah, because I um, I would be typing well, in stuff. Well, you would dictate where you're you're oh, going or something like that. It's not gonna. I want it to really work. I want it to work without the yeah. other, the other thing. So the good news is that next week Apple will supposedly be releasing the first software kit for. For other people's apps to be to have as many features as Apple's apps do, mm-hmm. which include um, access to the sensors. So Nike could make a running app that would be able to use all the sensors in the watch the way that the Apple running app does. Okay, great. Um, like yeah, because the steps, Nike running app. Your steps and that kind well, of stuff. I think the Nike running app might do that now. It just doesn't have. Well, it does it on the phone? Oh, okay. It'll be able to do it on the watch. Cool. Um, I think maybe other, other apps might be able to use more of the storage. So you might theoretically be able to have more like podcasty type things. Uh huh. Um, but that means that it's still have to get Bluetooth headphones, right? Yeah. But it definitely Uh won't be able to do GPS independent of the phone. This, this version. Yeah. I I hope that happens next time. It, It might happen. It'll probably happen like the third or fourth. It's just too, it's too, it's too much power. How? Oh, how do I, how do I get it on here to to go somewhere? I don't know. We'll we'll do that. Yeah, I don't know if it does. You might have to hard hard press. Oh yeah, search. Dictation. Oh, you can put in favorites. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It might be. Jelena. It might be something you can set on. <laughs> it's picking up. It's picking everything. up my audio. Yeah. Now. Well, we'll test it later. Um, it might be something that you can set on your phone, like uh-huh. those favorites, and then it'll. Yeah, be that's fun. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, there's another map called. There's another app called City Mapper that's supposed to be pretty good too. But I have that on my phone. Yeah, I haven't tried it much. Cool, but um, yeah, I really like it. And people who have been like, "Should I get one?" I'm telling them. And also, the final thing I would like to say about it is, the only people that I have seen wearing it in the wild that I don't know have been. Either super cool or super dorky. <laughs> like I saw two like cool dorky or cool dorky. Um, I mean, you don't have to. Oh, you can be. I honest don't know. In, in the space, I don't. I don't know. Like pretty lame. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, pretty like lame. lame guys. Yeah. yeah, but I've also seen some really cool people wearing it, like Drake. Not like Drake. Like 
I don't know if they're actually cool people, but well dressed people. people. Seem cool. Yeah, that well, like I will say it looks a lot better than I thought it would. At least your yeah. your little pink one does. Yeah, mine looks alright. I you want more like, bands, though. I'm really, I'm, I'm really. When are you, when do you think the third party bands are going to come out? The third party bands are already starting to come out. Cool. You can get some shitty ones on Amazon already. But when are the good ones going to come? Nah, out? I don't know. Not for a little while, maybe. Um, someone's making like cool outdoorsy uh, mesh, not mesh, but like, uh, you know, the guys like the sporty watch bands mm-hmm. for, for guys that are. Oh yeah. What's that fab- like nylon? Like nylon, yeah. yeah. So maybe I'll get one of those. Tiva fabric. Yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't know if that'll look good on me, though. I think it might look good on you. I just don't know if it'll, it will look good with the brushed alum- al- aluminum. Yeah, aluminum. I don't know. Um, no, I just want some more Apple Sport bands. I'm also going to try out that leather loop band of theirs, mm. but I had a leather watch uh, once, and it got kind of stinky. I really want a navy sports yeah, band, me too. sport band, and I think... They probably some third party will make it, but it'll probably be crappy. Right. So Apple's got to do it. Yeah. I think they will. I think maybe either this Christmas they'll have more. Yeah. Or next year. But yeah, so they, far they so Why so good. They either this is like fifty dollars of pure profit. Yeah. So far so good. I really like it. Oh, and yeah. it is also a little clammy. What do you mean? Like, it's it always. I always feel like there's condensation. Oh. Do you feel that? Maybe mm. I'm just a well, stickier you know person. My arm has hair all over it, so maybe that helps um, deal with it. I've actually had to tighten it a little bit, especially uh-huh. when I'm running. Or not running. <laughs> running. Um, I wish I knew what that meant. Uh, when I was on my long walk the other day, uh-huh. I tightened it. Did it feel sweaty? Yeah, but everything else did too. So. Yeah, like right now I even feel yeah, a little right bit of I'm condensation. Yeah, I think maybe you're just more active than I am and also less hairy. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I've been using it for for everything you you said, and I think the things that are missing so far are um, voice dictation of, of like a note note taking mm, app. Yeah, like, that'd be great. Note to self. Um, and that'll happen. I have my my to do app on here, so like the um, oh, when really? I'm at the grocery store, I can see what I've put put down. Oh, that app to buy. I never, uh, I don't understand that app. <laughs> why are you yawning? I don't know. You were the 7, tired one. 7 p.m. I know. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't. This is a, this is a one trillion dollar idea. Yeah. But I'll share it in the space because why not? Okay. Um, there's an app that needs to exist that's just like okay, I have five seconds to kill. Give me one. Give me a five second. Five seconds of entertainment. What is it? I don't know. I think it could be Vine, actually. But I just need. Don't five, you think that's what all of those apps already do? Which ones? Twitter and. It takes too long, and Twitter is Twitter's too complicated now. Okay, I don't know. Twitter is Twitter is way too complicated. Um, one Twitter thing. Twitter's like six, eight bit. I want one bit entertainment. So next, on uh, next time. <laughs> next time on needle on the mouse, I have mouse. two things. Okay. One is that we should talk about those Swedish designers, the Scandinavian designers. If anyone has some Scandinavian designers they love and would love us to talk about, guessing. Does wood wood count? Yeah. Are they Scandinavian? Yeah. Okay. Um, Bring them up. I mean, I think the point of the, but we can talk about, the point of the email we got was that we talk a lot about. I read this email. The email said that we talk a lot about high street stores, you know, specialty retailers and 
basically that we talked too much about J. Crew. <laughs> And what are some other cool, you know, there are a lot of great Scandinavian brands, especially on the menswear front. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. And then the other thing is, if anyone has any request about the kind of guest we could have on. Oh, yeah. Um, if there is some sort of, because I have some ideas. Who do you want to hear from? Yeah, who do people. Your dream list of guests? Yeah. Who, who do you guys think would you know, add to this conversation and you want to know more about them and maybe we can get either them or their assistant. Yeah. I had dinner with Ron Johnson the other day. I know it's, I'm, I'm jealous. It sounded fun. Maybe we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. Let's talk about it next time. Maybe I'll play some of the, uh, mind. All right. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks. You know where to find us? Where where should they find us? One thing is, someone asked if we were on if we we were on iTunes and we are. Yeah, I know we link to SoundCloud, but you can also find us on iTunes. So we should start linking to that iTunes thing Actually, also. It it does. Oh well, a person Both who reads SoundCloud our does and our blog. Okay, does. well, it's someone who listens did not know that and was curious. Where we should be is um, apparently the people are using some app called Stitcher that I've never used. So okay. I don't know. Um, anyway, you can find all of our episodes at theneedleandthemouse.com. You can email us at hello at theneedleandthemouse.com. We're at Needle and Mouse on Twitter. Do we have an Instagram? No. I don't know. No, but our dog, Hey Ralph Rudd, oh, yeah. does. Follow, forget us. Follow Ralph Rudd. Our dog at Hey Ralfred on Instagram. Please and I guess get we'll um, move back in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Our music is by Alan Lawrence. Check him out. Hey, Alan. Hey.